Welcome to the Still Study Podcast, episode number 34, season 2, here on the Still Study. I'm your host, Jeremy Ritz, welcoming you to this championship weekend edition of the podcast. Truly grateful that you're joining me here on the weekend to get your dose of Pittsburgh Steelers football. And just want to take a moment to express my gratitude to you for listening, reading, sharing with your family and friends. Truly does mean the world to me. As I continue on this journey here with the study, covering Pittsburgh Steelers football, this is a lot of fun. And I'm glad you're a part of it with me. Would love to connect with you. We could do so three different ways. One, comment directly on the articles at the bottom of the page. Two, you can hit me up via email at thestillstudy at gmail.com. And or you can also give me a follow on Twitter at Still Study. Would love to connect with you. Every Saturday, I do the Steelers Saturday mailbag study session in which your questions, comments, feedback drive the content of the show. So would love for you to be a part of that. Check that out. And I also want to put a plug in for the other podcast that I do over on the Still City Insider with Jim Wexel. Our podcast is called the Still City Insider Podcast. We record every Tuesday at the dark hour of 5 a.m. and publish between 6 and 6.30 a.m. Jim is super insightful and knowledgeable, having covered the Steelers since 1995. And it's a lot of fun, so you want to check that out. It is linked in the show notes. But here we are. We are in the throes of the offseason. NFL football continues. The Pittsburgh Steelers are at home. You have the Bengals traveling to take on the Chiefs. Joe Burrow is making it known that he is going to be a dominant presence in the AFC North. Here forward, to the chagrin of all of us in Steelers Nation. And on the flip side, in the NFC, you have the 49ers who will travel to Los Angeles to take on the Rams, a team they have beat twice already this season. As I mentioned the other day, I don't have a dog in the hunt here for the NFL playoffs. I will surely be watching just for the enjoyment of football. And if there was any team I was cheering for, it would be the 49ers as they are the underdog of the group. I have mixed feelings about the Bengals, and while I want to see the AFC North represented well, I can't bring myself to cheer for said Bengals team. And I can't do it for the Chiefs either. I'm indifferent about that team. They're expected to win. And again, I always err on the side of the underdog. Now, I will say Aaron Donald's dominance in the NFL being a pit grad if I were to have a second team I was rooting for to make it to the Super Bowl and to win this whole thing it would be the Rams so I guess I am in favor of the NFC this postseason 
But anyway, let's let's start talking Steelers football. If you've been paying attention to the study this week, you've seen my positional evaluations of the offense. You've read about the priorities that I've identified in terms of draft and free agency. And it really is an exciting time right now. But just globally, taking a step back and looking at this offense in terms of what the Steelers need to do or what their current state is. The one thing we need to keep in mind, and this is something that really sank in as I processed and reflected on the offense, is that quarterback position is in trouble. It's in trouble. It's not in good shape. And I say that because look at what Mason Rudolph has put on tape in 2019 and look at the Lions game this year. Yeah, that Browns game was okay last season. But as a full-time starter, have you seen anything on tape that says, wow, elite? The only way you're going to be able to win with that guy and make a postseason run is if you have a defense that plays at an elite level and if you have an elite running game. There are personnel currently in place that if built upon with other pieces, you can have an outstanding running game. You can have an outstanding defense, but that's a lot of work to be done. And I don't know if the Steelers have enough capital in terms of draft picks and free agency cap space, even though they do have a lot to make those types of improvements. And so the prospect of Mason Rudolph starting, at least for me, he's an average quarterback, maybe slightly below average. You're looking at a ceiling of nine wins, and that's best case scenario, unless you have the defense playing at an elite level and Najee Harris playing at an elite level with a rebuilt offensive line. No, there's some optimism around Dwayne Haskins, but again, what does the tape say? It wasn't good his first two seasons with the Washington football team. It was just okay in his time with the Steelers during preseason. And with both of these guys, Rudolph and Haskins, if you're not going to go with what is on tape, essentially what you're doing is putting faith in an unseen and an unprovable growth element that occurs this offseason that pushes them into a higher performance expectation. So while you may be able to envision Rudolph taking a step and getting better this offseason, or you can envision Haskins taking a step and getting better this offseason, there's no way to prove or to validate that. And we're not going to know until the team takes the field in the preseason. Now, here's the other piece. If you put all your faith and stock into that, 
and it doesn't pan out, this team's in trouble. This team will be in trouble. A veteran free agent quarterback is going to be brought in. There's no question about that. It's just a matter of who that player is. We've talked about Marcus Mariota here, his running ability, making this a run dominant, run-focused team. Maybe there's some value there. Or a Tyrod Taylor for one year who just plays game manager, plays it safe. I think you're going to see a guy like that brought in. But the Steelers have to draft a quarterback. Now, a lot of people may disagree with me here and say, well, if there's this, this is a weak class. If there's not somebody you like, you don't go after it. But I think this quarterback class is a little bit better than people are giving it credit for. And the other thing to keep in mind here, too, is that if there's one position that the NFL as a whole is just bad at evaluating in terms of talent and in terms of transferability of skills from the collegiate game to the pro game, it's quarterback. There are more misses on that position than there are hits. So save all the talk that, oh, this is not a great quarterback class, blah, 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 blah. Save it. You don't know and you're not going to know until the product is on the field and an opportunity is given. Say what you will about the 2022 quarterback draft class, but it's a talented group in terms of physical traits, in terms of arm strength, in terms of athleticism, in terms of athletic ability, mobility, agility, speed. It's all there. What is uncertain, and this is for any prospect, I don't care who it is, is how well do they transfer over? How well does their game convert over to the professional game? And that's a question you're going to have with any collegiate quarterback. I don't care who it is. There are going to be growing pains unless you're the exception to the rule. And how often do guys like that come around? Not very often. They're probably in the 1% or less than 1%. But if you have a guy who has traits that you can emphasize and build around, let's take, for for example, a hypothetical situation. They draft Malik Willis. Talented runner. Cannon of an arm. You build the offense around the running game. The read option. You have the jet sweeps, the motions with the Canada offense. You're pounding Najee Harris. You don't make Willis throw the ball very often. You just run and run and run. You go all in on your offensive line. You pound the football. And you throw in spots. That may be the best formula for the 2022 Pittsburgh Steelers to win. And I'll say this, all the speculation about trading for Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, don't. Don't. Aaron Rodgers is going to be, I think he's 38 now. Why would you give up an inordinate amount of capital for a guy that is going to start breaking down? It's going to happen. It happens to the best of them. It happened to Roethlisberger. 
It doesn't make any sense. This is a young man's game, and I'm not being ageist here, but it's time for the new era in Steelers football. The answer is not Mason Rudolph. The answer is not Dwayne Haskins. The answer is not going to be Marcus Mariota or Tyrod Taylor or whomever you want to insert their name here. Why not draft a rookie if there's a guy there that you like? Build the offense around his strengths. Prioritize that running game. And let the chips fall where they may. So where else are we going to go today on the podcast? Again, I feel like I've talked about the quarterback position ad nauseum so far. And it's still only January. And I'm sure that's going to receive a lot of attention still yet. But what are those other positions that can have the greatest impact in terms of who they draft in round one or round two in terms of potential to step in and play immediately? Because there are some positions that lend themselves well to contributing more right away as opposed to some others. We know that typically it does take more time for a quarterback to adapt and adjust to the NFL game, to the speed of the game, to the complexity of NFL offenses, reading NFL defenses. We know that running backs typically adapt and adjust rather quickly. Wide receiver is a mixed bag in terms of what you get in year one. And one position that you can get a lot from right out of the gate is offensive line, which happens to be one of the top areas where the Steelers have a need this year. So potentially pick 20 if that's a guard or a tackle or the center Tyler Lindenbaum out of Iowa. They're plug and play. They go right in. And if you're drafting them that high, you have the expectation that they can contribute right away. So offensive linemen could give a boost to this team in terms of starting line lineup. Even second round. Second round talent could have the ability to start defensively. You're looking at some depth on the defensive line or a stud defensive lineman. There was a report earlier this week that Stefan Tuitt sold his house in Pittsburgh. Possibly that's an indicator that his time in Pittsburgh is done. Maybe his football career is done. Again, we don't know the extent of what his injury is or was or what the impact of the tragedy is or was on himself and his family. But you can't put stock or faith in him returning. Defensive line is a position where you're not going to get much right away out of the gate in terms of a starting spot 
that should negate drafting one. Inside backer, you can get quality play right away from an inside backer, but again, not sure how apt the team will be to draft an inside linebacker considering the recent history with Devin Bush. So offensive line, really in terms of impact right away year one, that crosses over with the need of the team. You have to be thinking if there's not a quarterback right away, that's which direction they go. And another concept to, to talk a bit about here in this early part of the offseason is just the growth of players from year to year, especially the younger guys, how their game evolves and develops. And it's hard to believe that it's going to occur for every player. There will be some sustenance of the year's prior performance. You you hope there's not a regression like what we witnessed with Devin Bush, and hopefully that's all injury-related. That's all confidence-related due to that injury. But you have to think some of these younger guys in year two, year three, make gigantic strides. Najee is going to make a big jump. Freyermuth should make a big jump. Zach Gentry, who played well in his third season, he should take another jump. Dan Moore should jump. Akella Witherspoon, if they re-sign him and get him in there as a starter, he should jump. Cameron Sutton, second year as a starter, he should jump. Make some strides. Isaiah Loudermilk, all that experience and playing time he got this past season, he should jump. What about Montrevious Adams, if they can re-sign him at nose and get him into the off-season program for a year, full preseason, he should jump. So we can't discount growth of players players becoming better and more than what they currently are because that does happen each and every year then you wonder how much growth is still there and available for your elite guys you think of a guy like TJ Watt who defensive player of the year there should be no question about it how much elevation does he have left in his game Knowing his work ethic and how much he puts into his practice, into his craft, in terms of preparation, there could still be more meat left on that bone. And maybe 25 sacks is a realistic goal for this guy. Imagine if he would have played every game. What type of growth is still available for Minka Fitzpatrick? He's going to get paid handsomely. This offseason should become the highest paid 
safety in the league. How much is left for him there to elevate? I don't think we can expect Cameron Hayward to continue on any type of incline trajectory because he is getting up there in age long in the tooth. If anything, we could just hope for sustainability of his current level of performance. But again, he's going to be another year older, 33, during next season. At some point, his skills will start to deteriorate. On the offensive side of the ball, Deontay Johnson, still a younger guy. It's kind of scary when you could call him a veteran in that wide receiver room, but how much more room for growth does he have? Again, it's all in the area of focus for him. Chase Claypool. So again, the off-season program is critical from a physical strength speed standpoint for these players, just becoming physically more vibrant. It's important from the perspective of the mental game, understanding assignments and responsibilities if you're a defender, understanding opposing offenses, how to defend them. If you're on offense, understanding complex defenses, how to attack them, developing your technique and just putting in that time. And there is value in teams winning the offseason in terms of preparation. That's a massive part in team development. It's not just about adding players It's about enhancing and strengthening your current personnel so that they continue to grow and to develop. So that's another factor in this off-season equation. If there's... One player I'm looking forward to seeing the most next year, if we take a look at that from a defense and offense perspective, I think defensively, Alex Highsmith is on my short list, probably at the top of that list, because he did have a nice sophomore campaign finishing the year with six sacks. I think about when Bud Dupree first came into the league and how disappointing he was. Highsmith drafted in the third round, Dupree a first rounder. I think Highsmith has outplayed Dupree in his first two seasons. And if Highsmith can benefit from this offseason and get better and take that next step, then you could have a pair of edge rushers similar to when Dupree was at his peak playing alongside T.J. Watt. And that could help make this defense even better. Offensively, 
Najee Harris is the easy player to point to in terms of someone I'm looking forward to season because I do think he's going to have a monster of a year behind a rebuilt Steelers offensive line. Again, that's got to be prioritized. There's there's no secrets or questions about that. That's got to happen this year because it didn't happen last year. But I want to see the growth of Pat Freyermuth. I think if any player has the ability to turn into a pro bowler, maybe even an all-pro, it's it's Freyermuth. What he did in the receiving game this year was outstanding. Can be difficult for tight ends to transfer their skills into the NFL game. He did so nicely. He's got to learn how to block better, but we could be seeing some big things from Freyermuth in 2022. In the last part of the podcast today, I just want to spend some time talking about four of the critical free agents heading into the offseason and the impact of signing or not signing these players. And those four players I'm going to talk about here, Akella Witherspoon, Joe Hayden, Terrell Edmonds, and Juju Smith-Schuster. And I'll start with Juju because posted my analysis of the wide receiver position, talked a lot about the offense this week <clears throat> in terms of offseason. Juju's going to be a telltale sign for this team in terms of what type of path they'll have to take at the position. And what I mean by that is if they sign Smith-Schuster then I think they're in a good position to where they only need to pursue that deep ball, explosive, speedy receiver. But if they are unable to resign Smith-Schuster, then they're not only going to need that deep ball guy, but they're also going to need someone to replace Smith-Schuster. So if you know you have a young guy with a lot of football ahead of him who is established in the community already, you sign him. Now, you got to be able to pay him what he wants, and he's got to want to be here. And he said all the right things about wanting to stay in Pittsburgh. But whether or not that's accurate, we won't know until he is actually re-signed or if he signs somewhere else. In terms of Joe Hayden... They're not going to break the bank to keep him around. If anything, he'll sign a one-year deal if he'd be willing to accept it. Maybe play his final year of football. He doesn't have much left in the tank. There may be a part of him that wants to do that, being that he has loved his experience in Pittsburgh. Up to this point, he may just want to finish out his career here, so there is a chance that happens, and then he provides you that veteran leadership and some depth there, experience. Kella Witherspoon has to be re-signed. If the way he played those final weeks of the season is indicative of what he can do, and if he can carry that over into a full season as a starter... 
you have yourself a pretty good cornerback. So the Steelers need to do everything that they can to sign him to a long-term deal, and they're going to have to open the pocketbook for that, but they've got to be willing to because, number one, this team is putrid when it comes to drafting cornerbacks and developing them. So you might as well take advantage of this opportunity that is directly in front of you. And then the last free agent, really of great significance, is Terrell Edmonds. And Edmonds has to be resigned too. Edmonds played well this year. He had his best season. He's not going to be the explosive five to seven interceptions per season type player, splash playmaker. That's just not him, but he's steady. He's consistent, and if you can keep him paired with Minka Fitzpatrick, where camaraderie and chemistry already exists, and also camaraderie and chemistry with the corners, you do it. Keep that secondary intact. So the Steelers would serve themselves, would serve the team well, if they resign their own guys here in free agency. Ah, oh, the off season. Sure, I'd love to be watching the Steelers playing this weekend. As I said before, I'm indifferent about this weekend's playoff games, these championship contests. I really don't care who wins. Told you I'm rooting for San Fran as the underdog. And then after that, Aaron Donald and the Rams. Yeah, I wish the Steelers were playing, but you know what? It's time to get in that draft mode. And I'm really, really just intrigued by this quarterback class. I'm spending some time watching tape. I watched two games of Malik Willis last night just to continue to understand his skill set, his performance as a QB, what he can potentially bring to the Steelers. So as I do more study on these guys, there will be more content coming on the site, so pay attention to that. And I'll have my quarterback ranking of this draft class. I just ha- I have a feeling about these guys. That there is a guy within this mix that the Steelers like. So I definitely want to be prepared for when the draft comes that I know what type of prospect this team is getting. And with that, that is the end, the conclusion of this edition of the Steel Study Podcast. We are pushing along here in 2022, and next week we're going to be in February, already the second month of the year. Time just flies, doesn't it? We're coming up on the year anniversary of the site in April, which is very exciting. Have a little bit of a birthday party for the still study as we get closer to that. But just want to, again, thank everybody for being supporters, for reading, listening, sharing, 
truly does mean the world to me. Thank you for that. Let's connect. Comment directly on the articles. Drop me an email, thestillstudy at gmail.com. Give me a follow on Twitter, at stillstudy. Let's connect. And just thank you. I appreciate you guys so very much. And I hope that you have a fabulous weekend. Enjoy your family and friends. And I'll see you next week on another edition of the Steel Study Podcast. Take care, everyone.